Welcome to the Heidelberg Catechism. Join Bob for a simple lesson, and know what you believe, and why you believe it. Well, welcome to our Catechism class. And this week we're looking at Lord's Day 49 in the Heidelberg Catechism, question 124, which is about obeying the will of God. And the Catechist is still teaching us how to pray. He's using the Lord's Prayer as a model for our prayers, and he's reminding us that when we pray these petitions of the Lord's Prayer, there is far more underlying truth than we sometimes think, and we should mind that truth. And so we come to the third petition in the prayer, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm Bob McAvoy, and this is the Semper Reformata Podcast. A few weeks ago it happened again. I'd been asked to conduct a funeral service for someone who had died without a church connection or without a minister. The funeral director asked if the family could play some music to help them remember, and since the funeral was taking place in his premises and not in the church, I agreed, so long as the song was played after the benediction. So after the final prayer and I'd moved out of the pulpit, the music started and the song began. It was Frank Sinatra. For what is a man, what has he got? If not himself, then he has not to say the things he truly feels, and not the words of one who kneels. The record shows I took the blows and did it my way. Yes, it was my way. And as those familiar words began, a verse from the book of Proverbs was pounding away in my head. Proverbs 14 and verse 1. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. The psalmist has the correct attitude. Psalm 40 and verse 8. I delight to do your will, O my God, and your law is within my heart. Now that's what we pray for in this petition of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, teach us not only to do your will, but to enjoy doing it, to take delight in it. In question 124, the Catechist asks us, what is the third petition? And our answer is, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That is, grant that we and all men may deny our own will, and without any murmuring obey your will, for it alone is good. Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. Now remember please that in this third section of the Catechism, we're being taught the correct way to express our gratitude to God for his wonderful gift of salvation, given to us as God's free gift in Christ, and obtained by grace alone through faith alone. It's about the Christian life. It's about discipleship. It's not about obeying God in order to get to heaven. We can't obey our way to salvation. We have to emphasize that. For there are professing Christians who will tell you that you must do something in order to be saved, whether that is obedience in baptism, or just the old heresy that good works, being like Jesus as they say, 
will get you to heaven. I'm never keen on that old hymn that says, But we never can prove the delights of his love until all on the altar we lay. For the favour he shows and the joy he bestows are for them who will trust and obey. God's favour, God's unmerited favour, his grace, is not for those who will trust and obey. It is for those who repent and believe. Now with that said, let's talk about obedience. Let's talk about doing God's will. And this prayer, this petition of the prayer, is just as personal as it is corporate. It's a personal prayer because it's for me and it's for you. Matthew Henry teaches us how to pray it like this. Lord, give grace to each of us to know and to do the will of our Father in heaven. This is the will of God, our sanctification. Let us be filled with the knowledge of your will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding and equip us with everything good that we may do your will. Now, to do God's will must mean that we do not do our own will. God's will and desire for me and my life will often be very different. In fact, will sometimes be the direct opposite of my will. And what I want to do and how I want to live. And that's one of the basic principles of discipleship. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verse 24, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Do we ever take the time to meditate on that command? Do we ever think deeply about it and ask ourselves, how does doing God's will differ from my ambitions, my hopes and my plans and my dreams? It's important that we do that, because a life lived out of God's will is a wasted life. Jesus completed that command with a warning to his disciples. He said, For what profit is it to a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? Personal prayer. One that I need to think about. One that I need to pray. It's also a corporate prayer. It's right that we should pray for God to reveal his will to us and for us to obey it. But we want others to come into obedience to God also. We want his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. In a way it expands in the second petition that God's kingdom would come. We are praying for sinners to be saved, to come into the kingdom of God and to surrender their will to the Lord. After all, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. That's often how we know a true Christian from a false professor. The fact that they have a desire to seek and do the will of God. In fact, a person who claims to be saved, but who is still living in open defiance of God in moral or doctrinal matters, surely can't be acquainted with the will of God or be delighting in it. It's a personal prayer. It's a corporate prayer. But it's a willing prayer. Years ago, I worked for Kraft Foods, way back in the 70s. I used to call with a shop, a very old-fashioned shop in County Antrim, every other Thursday. I would get there about 10, 
o'clock in the morning, myself and another representative from the same firm. I sold the cheese and the retail products, and he sold the catering products. As soon as we arrived, the storeman was making the morning tea for the staff. He would boil a big brown kettle, he would throw in a few spoonfuls of loose tea leaves, and then he'd get a big loaf of plain bread. He'd slice it thickly, and he'd slap on loads of butter and thick-cut orange marmalade. And when he'd done all of that, he brought it out into the back store and left it down on the counter there. There was a mug for each of the staff members, and a nice cup and saucer for the lady bookkeeper. And we'd be standing there, watching. The boss would come in, and he would shout every time it was a ritual, Tommy! Get these two men mugs. And every week, Tommy would get us two mugs. But he'd complain, and he'd whinge, and he'd moan about a busload of travellers all arriving in here at tea time. Why can't they buy their own tea somewhere else? He did what he was bidden to do, but he always complained about having to do it. We can all be like that from time to time. The Catechist wants us to ask God to make us willing servants, never complaining or murmuring about it. So it's a personal prayer. It's a corporate prayer. It's a willing prayer. And we pray this prayer because obedience to God's will is good for us. So the Catechist writes, for it alone is good. Now all of that's fine, but it begs an obvious question, doesn't it? How do we know what God's will is? Well, it might surprise us that the Catechist then adds, Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling. Now, in my mind, that simply means that we should do what the Lord has given our hands to do as unto the Lord. There's no great mystery about knowing God's will. There are Christians who agonise over what might be God's will for them. Others seek the will of God in spiritual experiences. Some hope that some prophet or some supposedly spiritually gifted person might have a personal word from the Lord for them. And others seek the will of God in dreams and visions. None of those methods are biblical and none of them are necessary. God's will is simply revealed to us in God's word. And that's all we need. For in the Bible, God has finally spoken to his people. Let's just think of a few indisputable aspects of God's will revealed to us quite clearly in the Bible. It is God's will, for example, that we should be holy because he is holy. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. It is God's will that we should live clean and upright lives. Titus 2 and Verse 11 to 12, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that, 
denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. It is God's will that we work for our employers honestly and diligently. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 5. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, in sincerity of heart as to Christ, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is a slave or free. And you masters do the same things to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master also is in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. Now I think that's what the Catechist means when he writes, Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling. It is God's will that we fulfil our earthly callings as a worker, as an employer, as a husband or wife, as a parent, as a good citizen. It is God's will that we work honestly and diligently to the best of our ability and bring glory to the Lord. So it is God's will that we should be holy. It is God's will that we should live decent, upright lives. It is God's will that we should work honestly. It is God's will that we should be sexually and morally continent. First Thessalonians chapter 4 For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you should abstain from sexual immorality, that each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honour, not in passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. Oh, incidentally, I also think it is God's will that you should meet with others to worship him. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 reminds us that we are not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much more as you see the day approaching. You see, it's really easy to find out God's will for your life. All you have to do is open your Bible and read it. Lastly, the Catechist gives us examples of perfect submission to God's will, because he reminds us that this petition actually reads, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In heaven, God's will is done perfectly. Oh, that earth could reflect that heavenly state of obedience. After all, we were created to obey God. We were created to enjoy fellowship with him, but instead sin has entered into the world and our obedience turned to rebellion very quickly. On this earth, our compliance with what God wants will always be hampered by our own inbred sinfulness. But in heaven, we see the true standard of submission to the perfect will of God. We look at our Saviour, to the Lord Jesus, the perfect example. He was obedient, even to the point of going to the cross, 
to suffer and to die for sins that were not his own, but were ours. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we have an insight into the depth of that submission. When he prayed in Luke chapter 22 and verse 42, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And the Catechist points us to the angels. Psalm 103, verse 20 to 21. Bless the Lord, all you his angels, who excel in strength, who do his word, heeding the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you his hosts, you ministers of his, who do his pleasure. So the Catechist points us to them, that we would take them as our standard. He writes, Grant also that everyone may carry out the duties of his office and calling as willingly and faithfully as the angels in heaven. When we pray that God's will would be done on this earth, as it is being done in heaven, we're reminding ourselves of those perfect heavenly examples of perfect obedience. So we pray, Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. A prayer from Matthew Henry. Father, we rejoice that your will is done in heaven, that the holy angels do your word and always obey the voice of your word, that they always see the face of our Father. And we lament that your will is so little done on earth, so many of the children of men being captured by Satan to do his will. Oh, that this earth might be made more like heaven, and saints more like the holy angels, and that we who hope to be shortly like angels in heaven may now like them never cease from praising him, may now like them resist and withstand Satan, may be as a flaming fire in swift flight, and may go straight forward wherever the Spirit goes, may serve for the good of others, and thus come into communion with the innumerable angels in festal gathering. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.